yeah, yeah. Close to, to Union Square. Okay, cool. So right, Powell but, uh, and, and Bush was there. All right, well, we'll just, we'll just have a little bit of small talk before we get started, but I want to get the YouTube link moving. Um, very, very good. And how long were you there for? Uh, for six months. Okay, 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 okay. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the pandemic stopped my... Um, uh, my uh, it, it was a, my exchange was intercompany, uh, let's mm. call it intercompany exchange. Uh, and, uh, and during the, because of the pandemic, I had to call, yeah, I had to come back to Austria because, uh, maybe you also experienced this with, uh, Spain and, uh, and the U S oh uh, yeah, 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 no, you I were was, stuck in, in Bilbao or you, yeah, you yeah I was, I know. I, yeah, I was, I, that's the thing. I hadn't been back here for like a year and a half. So that's why I came to see my family. So I've been here for, like I said, it will be, be about a month and it's been really good, but, but yeah, no, we were, we were very much locked down for about three months almost. Um, and then, and then it was around late May, June when we started to do like normal things again, but yeah, but from, from March to around late May, it was, it was pretty, no, no, late May or I don't know. It seems like it felt like an eternity, but, um, but it's over and we got through it and hopefully don't have to do that again. I don't think we'll have to do that again. Um, but certainly hope not. Um, and I, I hope you're able to come back to uh, to San Francisco at some point. Um, it, the it's a it's a it's a it's a nice area. Um, and there's there's obviously with tech there's plenty of things going on. Um, so there's never a dull day. And how about Dynatrice? How did you get started there? Um, Dynatrice was founded around like 12 years, 14 years ago, something like this in Linz. So it's a very popular company. In Linz. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But That's now crazy. the the headquarters are now in Waltham. In, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, it got uh, acquired first by CompuWare and then by a private company. And so it's officially a US-based company, but still there's the, 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 the European headquarters and engineering headquarters are still in Linz. And it's, it's a huge building. I don't have any picture of the building on the slides, but anyway, um, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the, the more impressive buildings we have in Linz. <laughs> That's cool. And how many people work in Dynatrice at the moment? Uh, in Linz, it will be around uh, 500 to 600, and in total, close to 3,000, I guess, already. Okay, wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's a good, that's a solid amount. All right. Very, very good. Well, we are at nine o'clock exactly, so we can have our official start on that note. Um, welcome, everyone, to another Data on Kubernetes meetup. It is a pleasure to be here. It's really exciting to that. I'm really happy that I was able to convince Jurgen to give this talk. He had some doubts at first as to whether or not it was going to be relevant or not. I have no doubt that it is. Just getting talking to him about experience with Dynatrice, experience in the CNCF. You're a, let me get the title right. You're a technical strategist, I believe is your official job title. Yeah, yeah. And what, is, and what does that mean? Well, first of all, welcome, Jurgen. And, and second of all, um, big, big welcome. Uh, and, and we were talking about this as well. Normally I'm in uh, near Bilbao in, in the North of Spain, the Basque country. But currently today, right now, I join you from Vallejo, California in the Bay Area. Um, where, where my parents live. This is my dad's office. I wish it was my office, but it's not mine. <laughs> anyway, though, Jurgen, welcome to the Data on Kubernetes Meetup. Pleasure to have you. Action-packed hour ahead of us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what, what does a technical strategist do? Yeah. So, um, hi, everyone. Uh, it's really great to be here. Uh, and my, my name is Jurgen. I work at the company called Dynatrace. It's an Austrian-founded company. It's now the headquarters are now uh, officially in the U.S., but we have a very large uh, um uh, engineering in the uh, site here in, in Linz. And um, like my role at Dynatrace, it's called a technology strategist. And uh, when I started, I started in the Dynatrace Innovation Lab. And uh, we were always working with partners of the, uh, of the company, ecosystem partners, uh, partners like uh, AWS, um, mm -hmm. Google, uh, Microsoft. And we were trying to find the best ways how to integrate new technologies into the Dynatrace product, how to integrate with partners, how to kind of uh, create new use cases, how to make like a one plus one equals three or something like uh, partnering and, and looking for uh, like a great, um, great uh, or implementing a vision and doing like POCs and uh, like um, presenting something that is not yet available. And we were always uh, looking uh, towards uh, like what what are the new interesting things on the on the, the market and where is it going? Wow. Well, we'll definitely have to get to that because a lot of what's related to our community are things that have still yet to be we might say codified or you know brought down to earth and, and put into order. One of the things we are excited about that's going to be coming up and folks may have seen this on Twitter. We're happy to share it again. 
we will be creating a book about data on Kubernetes, right? So this is a sort of way of establishing, we can say a codex we can, in, in some sort of way about, you know, we have these practitioners that are, when we talk about data on Kubernetes, what does that mean? Chaos engineering is obviously a big part of that data resilience, portability, et cetera. Um, but with that in mind, and considering that Kubernetes celebrated its seventh birthday recently, happy birthday, Kubernetes. And your, when did you first hear about Kubernetes? What were your first impressions? What was that experience like? I think it was around when I started at Dynatrace. Uh, so okay. around three years ago. Um, All right. Got not like during my my time at university, I was not uh, I I heard about Docker, but I I never really touched Docker. And then first day, maybe it was not first day at Dynatrace, but uh, I'm I'm pretty sure in the first months there was still uh, this um, uh, what's it called uh, the orchestration war. But there was not only Kubernetes; there were other uh, yeah, Mesos and and yeah, other technologies that were available. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we were already like. Uh, seeing that Kubernetes will take off and uh, will be this one, let's say, platform to rule them all. Uh, and uh, so this was the first time I really got in touch with Kubernetes, but only on, on, on the surface. And then when we started the Captain open source project, the, which is built on Kubernetes and built for Kubernetes, then we really got in touch with like the power of Kubernetes, what you can do with, uh, with it uh, in the cloud or uh, on-prem or now, Nowadays, even on the edge, uh, so this is uh, this is really exciting. With that in mind, and shout out to all the folks at Captain because we've had Katie Gamanji on the program as well, amazing speaker. Also gave us tons of info about GitOps. Um, but just for for folks that might not be so familiar with Captain, what in uh, what's that all about? Um, where you, you kind of mentioned sort of a little bit of the backstory. Could you just give us a refresher on that? Yeah, sure. So. Um, Captain is what we call a cloud native application lifecycle orchestrator. It's a, it's a very long description, but it really kind of, we, we, we try to, to nail it with this one long sentence or one. Uh, so it, the, the goal of Captain is to orchestrate your application lifecycle and not starting from the delivery of the application all the way to, um, uh, to its operation. And uh, for this, we do have, um, quality gates built in into Captain where you can query the data from Prometheus or actually Captain will query the data from Prometheus and will um, evaluate the quality of your microservice based on service level objectives. So we have taken uh, a couple of those uh, best practices from the SRE community or the DevOps community and put it into Captain. And why we did it was because when we started with this implementation at Dynatrace, uh, it was actually, at the beginning, it was a one-week workshop. It was a one-week workshop where we explained how uh, modern application delivery should be done. And after one week, um, partners and uh, customers, they were kind of, uh, we, we equipped them with all the tools they need, with all the knowledge they need. And then we said, okay, now it, it, it takes everyone now one week to learn about all those concepts. Why we, we should really put this into software instead of, uh, taking one week of education and workshops and practice. So we, we, we took all those uh, best practices, all those concepts we already have in place at Dynatrace uh, and put it into uh, software. And we called this software Captain. Uh, in the beginning, and it, 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 it's still an, a nice um, wordplay because for us in, in Austria, Captain sounds like the captain of a ship. We speak mm -hmm. German here. So, and we, we always said no, no one uh, ships apps better than the captain. So this is why. Oh, that's catchy. That's good. That's good. And we still have the the um, the, the captain and, uh, and and a ship and all the all of these small things in the in a lighthouse and all of these things uh, either in the captain code base. So if you take a look at GitHub, uh, you will find the lighthouse service there in captain. You will find the captain's bridge, which is kind of the uh, the, the control center. Of, of Captain, you will find all these terms still in the software, and you will also find it uh, like in, in logos and in, in pictures and these kind of things. That's fine because those things uh, sort of allow us to bring the concepts down to earth and make it a little bit more tangible and not so abstract, right? Um, that's really good. And in also, you know, I was mentioning this before. Someone reached out to me today in the CNCF Slack, asking about you know wanting to get involved. And I said, well, coincidentally, in thirty minutes, I'm going to be with a maintainer from from uh, from Captain. And in in that particular case, for folks that might want to get involved. Are you actively seeking more participation? Uh, you mentioned some stuff about, you know, uh, for, for maybe folks that want to get started, some issues that they can resolve. If, if people want to get involved in Captain, do they just need to reach out to you directly? What's the best way to do it? 
Uh, so the best way is actually to go to the git to or go to captain.sh or directly to GitHub and find us, yeah. uh, find us on GitHub. And we always have a list of good first issues. This is like uh, a good starting point to get either familiar with open source or get familiar with the project already. And uh, kind of commenting on one of those issues that you want to work on this um, would be the best uh, the best way to get started. There is no Usually for good first issues, there is no pressure. There yeah. is, a, they don't have to be fixed uh, within a week or so. So you can take your time, you can get started, you can get familiarized, uh, you can familiarize yourself with the project. Uh, and then there are, there are way more maintainers than just myself. Uh, and uh, they will be happy also to help there. Um, so the best way is actually to get started on, uh, on, on, on GitHub and just search for the good, good first issues. I, I think that's, that's the best part. And Relative. we are not only... Uh, yeah, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Just, just one, one important part. We are not yeah. only interested in in uh, someone that is, uh, let's say, familiar with GoLang or with uh, Node.js, but if someone really wants to contribute to the documentation, because uh, maybe there is someone just uh, likes to write technical documents or documentation for the end user, we're also happy to um, to um, accept contributions there. We even have had one contributor. Uh, shout out to Josh. Uh, thanks for all your contributions to the project. Um, he submitted a. Slack bot to Captain that is doing spell checking. So he he's very much on his vision on doing spell checks for all kinds of different projects. And he got in touch with us, and now we have a, his spell checker as part of the um, capital process, which is pretty cool. No, that's really cool, and I think it's I think it's a great message as well too that that you know we try to maintain in our community, but we can always do a better job. No contribution is too small, and there are tons of non-code contributions that folks can make too. There was a, there was a great talk in the last KubeCon where they where they spoke about how you know one of the, one of the main things is exactly what you just said: help us correct typos. You know, like there's this an endless amount, and that's why having a Slack bot to do that I think is really really smart um, to sort of nip it in the bud. That's really really good. Now um, taking it a little bit further and getting more into you know today's subject, chaos engineering is something we have taken a look at. We looked at litmus chaos. We had other folks coming on, and as I said previously, talking about uh, you know building systems that are re resilient, um, SRE sort of mentality as well. Uh, we can say plan for the best, but expect the worst, or, or vice versa. Um, how did you start get started in chaos engineering, and how can we start kind of tying that into what we're here to talk about today, related to uh, chaos engineering in CD pipelines? Um, my first touch point with chaos engineering was a, a while ago with. Um, it was, it, it's, it's still around and it's still, a, it, it's a great thing. It was already initiated, I think, uh, before the, the chaos engineering on Kubernetes was, uh, was a thing. It was Gremlin a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, really loved the idea, but it was always a little bit uh, difficult to, to kind of uh, get to the, to the main part. Why would, would I need it? And then it was actually during KubeCon last year um, in... Uh, was it last year? I think so. Um, in a virtual KubeCon, uh, when we got in. It's okay. Everything in the last two years feels like it was, it's all in one, one week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it was the virtual KubeCon, and I think it was the one in, in North America. The, the mm -hmm. And uh, so we got in touch with the uh, maintainers of Litmus Chaos. And uh, we thought it's, uh, it would be a great idea to have chaos not only in production, where it's a little bit risky to also have your chaos engineering there. I know that there is a big trend and it's not only a trend, but it's a, it's a big practice of testing in production. Yeah. And I think that's totally valuable, absolutely. Um, but if you can already do something earlier, why not do it? And with the strong concept of SLOs that we are pushing in, in, uh, in, Cap in the Captain's project, uh, we thought that might be a very good fit to kind of combine those two things. And Captain being this orchestrator I mentioned earlier, um, it's easy in Captain to just add another tool that Captain will orchestrate and Captain can start chaos tests for you. And uh, not only just the chaos test, but also load tests at the same time. So you know when you're executing the chaos, your applications are also under some heavy load. So you can really evaluate the real world impact of this. And this is why we, the, the, we teamed up with the, with the Litmus uh, folks and, and maintainers of the Litmus uh, Chaos uh, framework, and uh, we started to to build this integration. And uh, like uh, one KubeCon uh, later, we already presented this at KubeCon, uh, which was pretty cool to kind of uh, start at the first KubeCon and then present it at the other KubeCon. 
and uh, we are still in, in in touch and we we still want to improve this integration uh, there can be there could be so much uh, not only um, chaos in in CD pipelines um, but this is how we got started and uh, I still think it's a very uh, valuable approach and we already have the first adopters uh, using the exact same approach that we are kind of advocating for that's great and great to see like you said moving quickly, but also seeing the adoption and getting that feedback from, from folks that are using it out there. Really quickly as well, just, just uh, uh, you know, in terms of terminology before, before we jump into your presentation, um, just because for sometimes, you know, we have people of all different levels, SLO, SLA, any other things we need to keep in mind before we get started in terms of abbreviations, acronyms, stuff like that? SLO um, meaning service level objective, SLA, service level agreement, any other things we need to keep in mind? Uh, SLI, service level indicator, that's Good. Like the, the metric yeah, itself. Well, it, Good. And so that's the thing to just, which one comes first? Let's think of it that way. <laughs> I would say the, the SLI comes first from the technical perspective, then you have the mm -hmm. SLO, and then you have the SLA. Yeah. Yeah. So very much vocabulary is going to be integral for anyone working in, you know, thinking about, you know, going into the SRE area. Um, really, really important stuff to keep in mind. And that's the thing as well is that very often, and this stuff gets a little bit tricky is, you know, when you say, well, what are your, what are your objectives and what are the metrics that are going to be, that are going to show you that those objectives are being met. And then from that as well, what is the agreement that's been established and how is that being maintained? Um, I think it's just, it's a, a lot of times we talk about technological changes and obviously someone who's a technological technology strategist, very aware of this, but it'll be interesting to see throughout the course of your presentation as well. We always try to focus on the cultural, um, the cultural changes, the mentality, the mindset that needs to be there as well in order for these things to be successful. Um, that being said, if you want to share your screen, jump into your presentation, go for it. Sure. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, oh, and just a reminder, any, if anybody has any questions at any time, feel free to put them in the chat directly and we can, we can answer them accordingly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Bart, you can always interrupt me if there is any question that I should- For sure. For sure. Will do. Will do. Yeah. Uh, don't worry. You can always interrupt. And uh, here we go. So yeah, you should be able to see it. Um, so uh, yeah. We, I think we already talked about the title, uh, Putting Chaos into CD. Uh, it's, it, I, th I still think it's, it's a catchy title. We, we've also done this presentation um, or a, a variant of this presentation at KubeCon. Um, and the subtitle really kind of describes why we want to do it and because we want to really increase the application resiliency with SLOs. So it's not only that we just want to put chaos into CDD because it's fun, but it's it's one way to increase the application resiliency because we can evaluate already the, um, the resiliency of our applications during the CD process and not only uh, in production. So um, actually I, I wanted to give a little, uh, little bit of introduction on this slide, but we already did the introduction. So what I will just uh, mention here is I'm located in Linz. It's between Salzburg and Vienna. It's uh, right in the middle of Austria, so to say, uh, already close to Czech Republic and Germany. And uh, I always go by bike to work if I'm not in the home office as, as right now. And uh, to work, it takes me like 25 minutes, but to Bilbao, it will take me a couple of days. So I, I thought today, maybe I'm virtually in Bilbao or on the West Coast. Um, so, but the West Coast is, is really far away so <laughs> yeah yeah it would be it would be quite it would be a very very long bike ride looking at the map i think we can meet we i would be happy to meet you somewhere in switzerland because i think it's about halfway <laughs> yeah. anyway, great excuse to travel we'll be in person at some point <laughs> yeah that, that that's great but just to 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 get a feeling where in europe i'm located and uh in comparison to Bilbao, so it's kind of central europe uh in the heart of austria um, yeah, I work at Dynatrace, I'm a maintainer of the Captain Project, and I'm also a meetup organizer together with Giuliano, uh, one of my uh, buddies here at Dynatrace, and we are doing the Cloud Native Meetup uh, link, so if there is anyone interested in also joining us, uh, we, are still, we are still doing virtual meetups, so uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, so let's get started and in, uh, in, in talk about the, uh, the actual topic. Uh, I've sketched here a typical CD process that you might also have in your organizations where you start in the development environment and you go via other stages like staging, hardening, pre-production, whatever you call it in your organization, all the way to production. And what you usually have or should have are some kind of quality gates or some kind of checks whenever you want to move from one stage into the other uh, that evaluates uh, what is the, should this new version of the application actually 
go into the next stage? Is it, is it ready to go there? And we can use service level objectives for this, for example. Uh, and of course, you need some, some kind of testing for this. So this is, let's say, the standard way, or this is the way that is established already in a lot of different organizations. The problem is that we can do a lot of quality checks and we can do a lot of different things uh, on our way to production, but there is always something going on in production. Just today, I read that uh, parts of the internet were down. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, the West Coast or uh, Europe was affected, but uh, apparently a couple of websites, uh, even Spotify, uh, news websites, they were down for a couple of minutes. So we know that there is always something going on in production. And what we want to do is to bring these kind of chaotic scenarios, these kind of uh, issues, uh, whatever's going on there, to bring it into early stages and be able to test it there. So the idea is to shift left. This is, uh, this is how, how we can think about it. Shifting left in the pipeline and introducing chaos early on. Why do we want to do this? Because we want to evaluate the impact uh, on our applications if there is any kind of chaos. And uh, in addition to testing this in production or in, in addition to doing some load tests in production or in, uh, in pre-production environments, the, what we want to add chaos tests and we can use, uh, I already mentioned it, Gremlin or Litmus Chaos or other chaos engineering frameworks. For today, we are going Litmus Chaos, uh, going to use Litmus Chaos because we have the integration between the Captain project that, is, uh, that can be used for orchestrating um, the whole um, the, the evaluation uh, procedure, and we're going to use Litmus to inject the chaos. So they, why, why, why do we talk about this? Uh, we, we can have a lot of tests in our applications and we can really make sure that uh, our application is uh, unit tested, integration tested, we have smoke tests, we have all of these different kinds of tests. But it's not only our application that runs in production, it's a lot of different other things that also run in production. It's, um, it goes down all the way to our infrastructure, actually. And uh, most of our microservices, they also have a dependency on some other services or even third-party services, some libraries, some Kubernetes services. Stories. There is a lot of things going on. And uh, actually, I've borrowed this slide from our friends from Litmus Chaos. So if you saw this already, um, you, you already know that it's not only our application. For today, we will focus on the application, but just have in mind that there is a lot of different dependencies that your applications are um, yeah, relying on. And we always have in mind that everything that is outside of our control will always work. So our assumption is that the network will always we, the net, network is always reliable. Uh, latency will always be close to zero. There, there is always infinite bandwidth, and this is just not true. So when we are we as developers, when we code something, we usually do not check for this kind of um, let's call them boundaries. So we always assume my application will have enough memory to run or will have enough CPU to run. Uh, but that's not true. And uh, we can kind of test all those boundaries with chaos engineering in combination with SLOs. So what do we want to do is not only running a chaos experiment once in production as, a, as part of a game day and uh, kind of destroying parts of our production environment by just uh, ripping out the, the hard drive or shutting down a, a, a node in our cluster, but we want to use this concept and instead of having experiments really establish a process of testing so that we can have it, that we can test it whenever we are ready to test it or even better as part of a process that our CD pipeline, our CD run will always trigger chaos tests and we always execute chaos tests as we are also doing with performance tests or load tests. So how can we do this? We first identify steady state condition and then we introduce a fault. And we also, our steady state condition can be, uh, let's say a service level objective that our application has to be responsive within 200 milliseconds or um, the, the healthiness of our application, the, um, the, the availability has to be 
like uh, it has to be 95% of all the pings we send to, to the application within a couple of minutes have to have to respond. So this is how we can define what, what, is, what, was, what is the goal, what is our condition. And when we introduce the fault, we can then check are the SLOs still met? Then we can assume our application is resilient for this kind of chaos that we introduced and also for this kind of SLOs that we, um, that we demand from our application. And if we cannot meet our SLOs, then we have found a weakness and we can work on improving this weakness. And here, Captain comes into play. So we are now moving from the part that we, we, we kind of talked about there is chaos engineering. We want to use chaos engineering for evaluating the resiliency. Now we want to talk about how we can do it in the process and which tools we can use to orchestrate the chaos, the load tests, and the evaluations. Uh, and we already talked about this. I'm a maintainer of the Captain project, which is a cloud native application lifecycle orchestrator. And we do more than I want to focus for today. So we, Captain can do um, the, the can automate uh, the setup of Prometheus um, with uh, alerting rules, with uh, Grafana dashboards, with um, scrape jobs, these kind of things. Um, it has built in multi-stage delivery capabilities where you just define what is your process that you want to follow, which stages do you have, what is a, a usual process within one stage, like a deployment, a test, an evaluation, maybe a security scan, whatever you want to do. And Captain can help you in automating your operations and remediation to orchestrate remediation actions in response to any alerts that are sent for, uh, by the, the Prometheus Alert Manager, for example. So there are a lot of things you can do with Captain, but for today, I want to focus on the, uh, on, on the middle part here to use SLO-driven multi-stage delivery with Captain to orchestrate the tools in the delivery process. Uh, same with Litmus, uh, also Captain is declarative. Most of the things are declarative. Uh, you can extend it in the Captain basis, everything, all of its configuration on GitOps. Um, I think we might have time during the demo that we can also take a look on the Git repository. Um, if not, maybe just ping me um, or in, in the Q&A, then we can, we, we can also do it there. Okay. Oh, just a quick question that we got from somebody in Slack. Um, what advice would you give an engineer that joins a team and asks to see the company's SLOs and doesn't get a straight answer, which this person has had to happen had happened then uh, a few times? What recommendations would you give? Uh, th that's a good question. So um, when we started with SLOs, it was really uh, very much that we we agreed that this is an important concept and uh, we want to base our um, our quality evaluations on SLOs, because it's not only that one error is the, the most important part and we should focus on one error. So I think focusing on SLOs can even free up some other resources. And uh, it, it's a very powerful tool that uh, from us, we, we, we like the, the whole team agreed that, that we want to use it. Uh, it was not so much of a cultural change that we needed to, to make it happen. But I think it is a cultural change and it has to start kind of there um, because it's not with SLOs, what, what you also want to, to avoid is to get flooded with alerts because you are really focusing on, do I have some error budget left? If so, then it's not that bad. Uh, if not, then there is really something I, I, I need to do. So um, not sure if this is a good advice. No, or no, 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 but I think that's good. And there's also a follow-up question to that. It's saying some Kubernetes admins who this person is in contact with have asked about the Captain automated dashboards, observability and alerting. Could you go into a bit of detail about how that works and how customizable those alerts are? Yes. So the, um, the, the, the dashboards and the alerting, this is part of the Captain integration. So Captain itself is, uh, we could call it a control plane. Mm -hmm. And you can connect different tools to, to Captain. So one tool could be, let's say, Helm for deployment or Litmus Chaos for uh, executing the chaos tests. And another tool is Prometheus for being um, the, the data provider for the quality gates. So using Captain, we have an SLO file. And the, in the SLO file, you define the objective, but kind of the inverse of the objective would be, um, would, would, would be, would be the part where we need to alert. It's kind of the, the, the error budget. 
So the captain can create the alerts in Prometheus based on the SLO specification. And another integration, the Grafana integration, can create the dashboards in Grafana. This is very much customizable. Uh, I think it's, uh, how's it called? Uh, is it called Libsonet but, or Jsonet? There, there is a specific templating for Grafana where you define how your dashboards should look like. And then based on the service level objectives and based on the different microservices that you manage with Captain, it can create the different um, dashboards for you. But if you already have some kind of integration, uh, if you have a, know how you want to have your dashboards created, you could also write your own integration to Captain and then just uh, use the data from Captain to create dashboards in Grafana. So this is what we see a lot that someone else is extending Captain with their own integration. We just had um, our friends from uh, low cost and also artillery providing a service to Captain to uh, orchestrate, let's say, artillery load tests. Um, because uh, in, in our standard um, uh, application or, or in our standard um, repository, we do have a, an integration for JMeter because it's the one that is widely used. So we decided so we start with JMeter and then the community was contributing uh, an, uh, an artillery service, for example. Okay. So that, there can be other services just integrated and then it's very much customizable. Whatever the service should do, uh, it will get triggered by Captain. It will execute its job, will send back to Captain that it's finished and, and Captain then uh, can move on with the next step. All right, great, thank you. Cool, then uh, we already see something of, of, of Captain, one of those um, specification files. Uh, as said earlier, um, it's uh, all declarative, so you don't need to, to, to script uh, like uh, a Jenkins pipeline with hundreds of lines of code because you have all these tight integrations of the tools. Um, this is one shipyard definition. Again, here, this kind of uh, uh, term, the shipyard um, describes the, the environment. Um, so the shipyard describes the how how we want to have our, uh, how our environment looks like. And we have here um, just one, one stage here and a sequence that we call a delivery sequence. And it consists just of, as a, of a deployment, a test and an evaluation. The important part here that it defines the process and the environment, it does not define the tools. The tools are defined in a concept that we call the captain's uniform. And we can then connect a specific tool for a specific task. Let's say we want to do deployments with Helm, or we want to do deployments with Argo, or we want to do deployments with Flux, uh, or so, some other tool, even with Jenkins. Uh, we don't have to change our specification of the process. We just exchange the tools. Um, we even once uh, changed com completely from JMeter to, um, to, to Locust tests. Uh, then you, you don't have to change the process definition. You just change the tooling behind it. Uh, and this separation of concerns of the process and the tooling and where the information goes, uh, this is how we're doing this with cloud events. That's also a CNCF project. I think it's already in, uh, in, in incubating or even graduated. I'm not yet sure, uh, but um, we're using cloud events here and all the information that's needed for these tool integrations are packed into a cloud event and sent from Captain to the tool integration. So for example, for deployment, we can use Helm. For the tests, we can use, we, we, we always have the same, let's call this an, an interface or the same task name. Uh, we even have different test strategies, but still we are not defining the exact test file here. So this gives us the flexibility to connect different testing tools, such as JMeter, Locust, Artillery, and even Litmus Chaos. Uh, goes into the same bucket as a testing tool because we said, as I said earlier, we don't want to consider this as just a chaos experiment that you only run once, but really as a chaos test that you can do in a, in a continuous way. And then for the evaluation, we have a built-in um, capability, the, the Captain um, Quality Gate, or which is done by the Captain Lighthouse service. This is what you will find in the, in the source code. And uh, this will give you the indication if the whole uh, if the SLOs are met or not met. And I think this is already on my, on my next slide, how, how we are doing this SLO-based quality evaluation. Um, 
There's one concept of SLIs. We, we talked in the introduction about this. The SLIs for us is really the, the metric. So the SLI provider can be connected to different data sources, such as uh, Prometheus, Datadog, Dynatrace. Um, and it will provide the data for one specific service level indicator. And then we can use this in our service level objective file. And this file is managed by Captain. It can look uh, very similar to this. So this is a very, it, it's a simplified example. It, it still works, uh, but there is more to it. So, so it can be more complicated, but it's a, it's a very simple example here. Um, and what you, you can define here is for example, the probe success percentage. So we refer to one service level indicator. Important here is also that we don't specify where this data is coming from. So again, we could easily exchange the data provider if we want to move from, um, I don't know, Dynatrace to Prometheus, then we could just keep our service level objectives. We keep the quality gates. We just exchange the service level indicators that kind of the library behind it, how we, how we query the data. Then it would not be a PromQL. It would be then uh, uh, an API call or vice versa. So just, only the service level indicator, service level indicator file is, uh, is, is the one that's tied to, to a tool. And then you can just write your service level objectives and your quality gates. And you can combine here absolute thresholds, relative thresholds. Uh, you, you, you can uh, make um, comparisons to the previous run or uh, to, to multiple previous runs. So you can use this as a gate that will prevent your, your, your new build of an application to move on to the next stage like production. And this quality gate or the SLO file is always used in the quality gates uh, when uh, there is this evaluation step in the shipyard file, or if you just want to do an ad hoc evaluation for the last five minutes or 30 minutes, because you just, uh, you're just interested in how your service that you are responsible for is, is uh, performing, then you can also trigger this via uh, the, the API or via the CLI. We even had a contribution um, that uh, was allowing that you, you can just do this via Slack, kind of ask uh, Captain for my microservice that I'm responsible for to do this via Slack and ask, hey, what, what is, what, what are, do I currently meet the service level objectives for my microservice? Uh, what, what is the, the quality evaluation, the quality score of a microservice right now, for example, in production? And uh, it works in a way that Captain will reach out once triggered. It will reach out to the different data providers like Prometheus, uh, Dynatrace, Datadog, whatever you, you want to connect and will query the data that is defined in the service level indicators file and then come up with a total score first with an individual score and then with the total score of the whole service level objective file. And then based on the total score, it will give you a pass, a warning or fail. Um, if you are really very specific about that one, uh, like the error rate always has to, uh, to succeed, otherwise you, you will not allow it to go into the next stage, then you can also mark this as, uh, we call this a key SLI. So this one then has to be satisfied. Uh, so there are a lot of different ways how to define a quality gate. Um, and uh, Captain will make sure to evaluate this and give you a total score based on the service level objectives that are important for your microservice. So bringing this all together, um, and what I also want to show you in the demo, and I still um, I think I still have a couple of minutes left here, um, then we, we can also see this, how this works. So we, we talked about how we, we can do the deployment, uh, what are the, the testing tools we want to use, what, what is the quality gate and how the, what, what is the, the result of this quality gate. And um, what we want to do is we want to deploy something now into a chaos stage. So let's just assume there is a dedicated stage where we want to execute chaos, something like maybe you have a security scanning stage or a load testing stage or some, some kind of pre-production stage. We call this the chaos stage and we want to deploy the new version of the application and maybe even the new configuration of our application into this chaos stage. Then Captain should trigger Litmus chaos plus locust tests at the same time, because we want to make sure that when we are executing the, the chaos, that there's actually kind of simulated real world traffic for this application. Otherwise, if, it, if, if, it's, if it's idle, then there is not, not a lot of impact on uh, of the chaos on our application. And once both is finished, 
then we want to, to, to have the quality gate triggered or automatically query the data, giving us the total score and then giving us a thumbs up or thumbs down if the application, uh, if this version of the application should move to the next stage or not. So this is what we want to do. And this is how we built it in the demo environment. So we are using Captain for orchestrating um, uh, this, this process. We are using Litmus Chaos. And in this demo that I will be showing you, we are using the pod delete experiment. So we are deleting one instance of our application. And we are using here the CNCF potato head application. It's a CNCF project. It's a demo application that can be, that is already used. Uh, in a lot of different projects. And we're also using this here in a very early version. So I know that currently it looks already a little bit different, uh, but in my demo, I'm just using an earlier version of this um, where we have this application deployed and we have locust just sending load to this application. And we have Prometheus for monitoring and Prometheus is uh, checking the uh, availability of our potato application with uh, the, the black box exporter. And it will just do, I think the probes every second or every two seconds, it will, will check for the availability of this service and will measure the, um, the duration of the probe and also if it was successful or not. So this is what we have. Everything runs in the public cloud, uh, but this is the basic tooling that we have installed. So with this, let me show you how this all comes together and uh, let me show you a quick demo. So this is the captain's bridge. And for today, we just take a look at the Litmus uh, Chaos um, project here. So I have one stage. I only have one stage. This is the chaos stage. Um, we could also have a chaos in a production stage or whatever uh, other stages. Remember, this is all defined in the shipyard. And I've used the shipyard, the very simple shipyard description that you also saw on the slides. So um, to see what all the different steps and tasks that are really executed, let us take a look at the sequence screen here. And to, to give you a live demo, let me actually start this. So what I want to do is I want to trigger a delivery. Let me just make this a little bit bigger. Hopefully you can read it. So what I want to do is I want to trigger a sequence that I that I defined in the Captain Shipyard file and it's my delivery sequence. And I will trigger this for the project Litmus, which is this in the Captain's Bridge for my hello service. The hello service is part of the potato head. It's just called the hello service. And uh, the image and the version that I want to uh, deliver is, um, is this custom built uh, hello service here. So let me just trigger this and it will give me back an ID of a captain context. And with this captain context, we can follow the whole journey of this, uh, of, of this new version. So uh, the tests, uh, the evaluation, the promotion, everything will be connected to this captain context. It's important if we want to query some more data via the CLI, but for today, we just want to, to take a look here in the, uh, in the captain's bridge and we want to check everything that's going on with my application. So I have my deployment, I just started this deployment and I do have the tests. Tests are already started, Litmus and Locust. And let me briefly bring up the lens here because we can already see there is some things going on. There is a pod delete, there is a chaos runner. There is an application which is not ready. So Captain already triggered a couple of different things, uh, orchestrated them so that we, do have exactly this, um, this flow of, 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 uh, of tasks in the sequence. So first we did the um, deployment, which was done with Helm, uh, which was pretty fast because I had already exactly this version um, already deployed in, in this demo application. So deployment was really, really fast. Then since deployment was finished, we can also see here deployment started, deployment successfully finished. We can see Captain was triggering the tests and we're using here Litmus and Locust. So both integrations are listening for any kind of test event. Uh, there can be filters that let's say for functional tests, we don't want to execute chaos, but for chaos tests or for performance tests, we also want to, want to execute chaos. So there, uh, there is uh, this flexibility here. In this case, I want to have Litmus and Locust um, doing its job. 
So Litmus already finished. The Litmus integration already indicated to Captain, I've done my job. There is no chaos going on anymore. But for Captain to move on to the next phase, we know that there's still the locus tests running. Um, what can be done is that uh, if one service finishes it, it can also indicate this to the other service. So if it would have been the other way around, that the locus service was faster in, in performing all the load, uh, or sending all the loads to um, uh, to our application on the test, then the litmus chaos would actually also stop its work uh, because it would also react on any kind of uh, finished event from other testing tools. So both test integrations now finished and we can see an evaluation that uh, gives a quality score of zero. So we can take a look what really happened here. And that's actually, for, for the, the, the purpose of the demo, that's actually what we want to see here. Uh, we want to see that our probe success percentage as well as the duration of the probes was not within our service level objectives. So the objective is that for, for, for it to, to get full score, we would need to have it at least 95% of, uh, of, of success. So 95% of all the probes that we are doing against our application uh, have to be returned successfully. Uh, we could not satisfy this because we only got the, around 72%. And for the, the duration of the probes, it took way longer than we would, uh, we would actually accept. So we do have our quality gate in place and it gives us a, a score. Right now, I only have two SLIs, so the score is zero. If one would, um, if one would um, pass, then the score would be 50%. Anyway, 50% is still less than 75%, so it will also fail. But Captain did this evaluation right after uh, the tests were finished. So what we now can think of, how can we increase the resilience of this application? If we think about how Kubernetes works, then it might work if we increase the replica count of this application, because if we just remove one pod, from the replica, account, uh, replica set, then the other two should be able to serve the traffic and uh, we should get um, probably a, a, good, a good result here. So now I'm just using a different way how to interact with Captain. Uh, I'm now using uh, the, the cloud event specification and I already prepared this. So this is one of those cloud events that I can send to Captain uh, and uh, that can be used them for the uh, also in, uh, in in the whole sequence workflow of Captain. And the only thing for my configuration I want to change here is that I change replica count. So I'm using the same image. I'm just using now replica count of three. I just save this and I do a Captain send event. I'm sending this event now to Captain and it's my deploy event. So this now is sent to Captain and uh, Captain uses this, creates a new cloud event for uh, first for the deployment tools, so it will actually give this uh, give uh, all the information it needs to um, to help. And we can already see. I'm using here lens. We can already see that uh, since three seconds, two more instances of our hello service have been started. And uh, after a couple of seconds, they should be ready to also accept the traffic. So the container is now uh, creating. This one is already running. Um, so. Only with this one change that we sent to Captain, Captain will give this information to, um, to, to the Helm service, which will update the Helm charts, with, which will apply the Helm charts. Once this is done, it will indicate back to Captain, Helm chart deployment is now finished, move on with the next um, task. Next task, as you remember, is to do the tests. We can already see that the tests for uh, Litmus, we can already see here a chaos runner is starting and the pod delete um, case experiment is also starting. And we will see that one of those services got, um, that one of those pods got uh, deleted and the other one is, is coming up again. Um, there is a readiness probe for about 30 seconds. So it's, uh, we, we know that it cannot serve the traffic for the first 30 seconds. Um, we don't see the litmus, uh, sorry, the locust uh, pods here because they are just running in a different namespace. Uh, and I'm just focusing here on the on this namespace where we can see the application living. So after a couple of seconds, there should also be uh, the last 
um, port for our hello service be available now after like 30, 40 seconds, it's now available. And Litmus Chaos will also stop its chaos experiment or its chaos test and will then indicate back to Captain that chaos has been successfully um, um, uh, triggered and, and executed against this application. And once the Litmus, the, the locust performance tests also finished, uh, this will also be indicated back to Captain. So let's have a look on the Captain's bridge if maybe this is already done. Just going back here. So we can see there was another delivery started. We can already, we can see the deployment was finished. As said, this was done with Helm and uh, the tests, Litmus tests are already finished as we also saw in, in Lens. And we're just waiting for the Locust tests uh, to be finished. I think in the configuration, I have them um, to be executed for around two minutes. So uh, it was started just uh, 60, 70 seconds ago. So we might need to, to wait a couple of seconds for this to finish. But once this is finished, Captain will again reach out to Prometheus, query the data for the, for the time frame of the tests. There's also something that maybe I've not mentioned earlier. Um, in this scenario, we are always evaluating the data for the time frame of the previous task. So in this case, it was the test task um, that was running now for two minutes. And in the quality gate evaluation, we are querying now the data for the previous uh, time frame uh, of, of the tests. So we query it between uh, 1840, 8, 1845 to 1848. And in this case, we are getting a quite um, satisfying evaluation. We can also take a look here. And in this case, we got a success percentage of 100% because even, uh, even uh, though that we killed one part of our replica set, the other two were still able to serve the traffic and send back um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the or re respond uh, successfully to, to the probe. Uh, and also the duration of the probes was now quite fast since there was no startup time uh, from the, the pods needed because there was always two replicas uh, available. So this is how you can build your um, evaluation sequence or workflow, how, however you want to call it, uh, where you deploy, you do some tests, you evaluate, and then you can promote it or um, just keep it back or even roll it back. Um, this is how we've built it. And this is also how it's already um, used in, in different organizations. And that is actually the last part here that I want to show you. because this is kind of the key takeaways that, that, that I want to, to leave you with. Um, we think it's a great idea to establish this process of continuously evaluating the resiliency and not only doing this uh, as a, as a one-timer, as, as part of a game day or as a one-time one chaos experiment. And uh, one way to evaluate this in a very, uh, I think it's really a great way is to use service level objectives because with this you can define all these different um, uh, service level indicators, you can give them weights, you can uh, define this as relative or absolute thresholds depending to um, compared to previous runs. So we are, we, we have built this and this was actually adopted also as a, at a company called uh, Kitopi. They even gave us a great quote, how they are using this. Um, if you're interested, interested in their presentation, um, you can go to captain.sh and find their um, captain community group presentation on our website, where Adrian, he was the, the lead engineer on this, where Adrian shares how they, how, how they built it. And they are also using captain uh, plus Litmus. So pretty much the same setup as I, I was doing here, um, but they are doing this in three different um, let's call this um, severity levels. They are using uh, light chaos that has to be passed. So light chaos is, uh, is, is their level of chaos that their application has to be resilient to. And then just as a check that they are not doing anything wrong in their SLOs, they are also using heavy chaos where they are really killing a lot of their, um, uh, a lot of their environment. And here it's really expected that the SLOs will fail. So it, it's actually a three-stage process, first with no chaos to get the baseline, light chaos to compare uh, to the baseline that has to be passed, and then heavy chaos where they expect it to be failed 
since they uh, they want to uh, really evaluate that it's not always uh, it's not always a green light because then their their SLOs are not are not what they should be. So with this, uh, there's just a couple of resources here. Uh, if you're interested, go to captain.sh or also to Litmus Chaos. Uh, either way, where you want to get started. Um, we do have tutorials also for this where you can rebuild this integration. And just starting, I think from last week, we have uh, a quick start guide on captain.sh that goes with uh, K3D where you can run this locally. So there is no need for a large Kubernetes cluster somewhere in the cloud where you have to pay. So you can just use K3D, which runs on Docker and you can just install Captain there and then uh, and try it out there. Uh, yeah, with this, uh, thanks very much uh, for having me. Uh, if we still have a couple of time for questions, I'm happy to answer questions. We do, we do, we do, we do. And, and first of all, amazing presentation. Uh, you can tell that you're very, very comfortable with what you're talking about. You were just mentioning some resources. And one of the things that we always like to ask speakers, once again, as a technology strategist, where do you go to get your information? What are the you know blogs that you follow or, or resources that you would recommend? There are a lot out there. And you know, once again, these things can be a little bit overwhelming. But in your particular case, what are some you know websites that you check out with with a certain degree of frequency? Um, to be honest, it's really the, those community-driven parts. So it's either on on, on Twitter. There's there are great um, CNCF ambassadors always tweeting about new projects, and then you will find a lot of presentations on YouTube. So on Twitter is kind of the um, this is where you, you get the inspiration and then or, or just visit community events like 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 this event. This is where you can learn from others and this is where you you you, you can get a lot of information already can can ask. Uh, there is no particular like blog or something that I always go to. Um, it's more that I find this uh, somewhere on Twitter and then think okay this is really something. I should take a look at, uh, and then of course always those uh, the, the bigger events like KubeCon. But I, I'm also a big fan of community events um, since they also allow some some kind of interaction that maybe it's on some kind of bigger conferences uh, is a little bit more difficult. Very very good point, and we obviously very much agree with that. <laughs> um, keeping this in mind, a couple other questions that we got. Um, you know, you mentioned some uh, you know you know different options. You know, previously you were talking about Gremlin. Um, then mentioning later on, uh, you know, Datadog, et cetera. What observability vendors does Keptin integrate with best or has it integrated with so far? Um, so the Keptin core team maintains integrations for Prometheus and for Dynatrace. This is what we always want to support. Uh, we just had um, uh, mentees uh, from the LFX uh, mentorship program that were doing a great job in improving the Prometheus integration, making it more uh, user-friendly, more customizable, uh, more resource-friendly. So these are the, the two integrations that, that the Captain Core team maintains is uh, it's Prometheus and Dynatrace. Um, then there are others uh, where we integrate uh, directly with NeoLoad to provide the uh, test data that we can directly fed into, into Dynatrace. And then we, we would love to see others uh, contributing to Captain and providing their data integration, such as, uh, and I know that Datadog is a, is a large uh, developer community or New Relic or, or others. Um, so that would be very much welcome. Um, yeah. But the, the ones that are maintained by Captain are Prometheus and Dynatrace. Yeah, and then of course, you know, other options, you know, in, in the, the open source community that we've seen recently, Cygnos is one that's based in India, OpsTrace is based in San Francisco. Uh, we've had both of them on the meetup and, and obviously they're very much focused on the observability side of things. Another question that we got here, you know, and, and this, because we did touch on, you know, you did touch on uh, cultural stuff and mentality stuff. We had a question, you know, for someone in, inside an organization where chaos isn't being used, what are the best ways to convince a CTO or a CIO, head of engineering, hey, I think we should start taking this into consideration. Uh, what recommendations would you have for that? So I, I really think uh, kind of the, the story that I heard from, from Kitopi was, was really convincing that they, when they said um, they, they need to make sure that they are satisfying some, some of their service level objectives, even service level agreements, uh, because it's important for them to be to, to, to kind of satisfy service level agreement and to, to, to be available for their customers. It's a, it's a I think they call this a, a kitchen as a service uh, uh, provider. So it, they have large customers, they have to be available. Uh, and 
you cannot risk that you only find out in production that something is not going well. And uh, only then in production to find out that there is, a, if one third party application is not available, or if one of my nodes in my cluster uh, won't be available. So there are so many different, um, different dependencies. And with chaos engineering, you already get the framework how to test all these different dependencies if they fail or to, to, to test if one dependency is not available. So I really think it gives you the possibility to, to test different scenarios early on mm -hmm. and then to improve this. Um, it, I, I think it's a little bit similar to um, a couple of years ago with, 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 um, with, to convince someone with why they, they need a monitoring solution or observability solution. Yeah. It's, it's when you feel the pain, or if, if you felt the pain once because your production environment was down, then it became obvious that you need it. Uh, yeah. Or test-driven development. If you do one, if you do refactoring once, and the whole thing crashes, and you, and the whole development team is stuck for a week or so because uh, you, you cannot figure out what, uh, why it's not working anymore, then you really kind of uh, appreciate unit tests, or you appreciate a monitoring solution, or you will appreciate load tests, or you will appreciate then also service-level objectives and chaos tests, because. Yeah. But it's always difficult when you never felt this pain and uh, you, you always think that uh, my applications are running perfectly and we are not those that have, have any issues in production because we are running somewhere in the cloud and they will take care of care for us. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's a good point. And I think also as well, and this, this came up when we had Karthik on, I mean, we were talking about chaos engineering as well, is that, and like you said, is that, you know, a few years ago, it could have been TDD, it could have been unit testing, it could have been functional testing. And for some developers, I was like, no, no, no I didn't sign up for this. I, that, that, that's the Q, you know, we have a QA for that. Or, you know, when you start telling people, what I want to get to that with that is thinking about chaos engineering is that, is this something that should be siloed only in DevOps teams? Or I think the, the general answer is this needs to be something at a broader organizational level. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I also think that service level objectives are a, way, a, a great means to, 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 to bridge this gap between uh, devs and ops and SREs because it's very easy to talk about service level objectives. It's not that you talk about how to query the data, but you talk about an objective and then how to query the data. This can be part for the SRE team or uh, someone else, but to to agree on some kind of objectives, uh, I think this is a, a cultural thing where a lot of where kind of different teams should agree on. And then for the specific implementation, uh, this, is a, this is then the part for one specific team, but that, that we want to do chaos should be part of the whole organization or a couple of teams, they should agree on this. Very, very good. Last question before we get to one, one special thing but, uh, before the end. Um, once again, as a technology strategist, I'm never going to forget that. I'm sorry for you. Um, but, you know, thinking about, you know, thinking about from an R&D perspective, innovation, where things are going, you know, our community is very much defined by the fact that, you know, data on Kubernetes is a relatively new thing, you know, like that we're talking about, you know, stateful workloads, stateful applications, all the things that come along with, uh, with storage, data resilience, portability, all these issues. It's a relatively, it seems to be a relatively new thing from what you've seen. And, you know, there doesn't have to be a perfect answer for this. Where do you see things going in the next, let's say, year to two years when we're talking about data management on Kubernetes? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on data management on Kubernetes. That's okay. Yeah. But where I think it is going is that it, it, it will move into the direction that we should not focus so much on at, like uh, dealing with Kubernetes. Uh, right now, it's an important part. But I think uh, Kubernetes will be will become this kind of uh, commodity. We, we will have it if we know it or not. So I, th this whole uh, kubectl thing or kubectl or however you want to call it, maybe it will go away. Uh, I think there is already like I, I like this project from uh, from 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 Google on GKE. It's called the Autopilot, and where you don't have to manage the infrastructure. You, you, you don't you, you don't have to know how many nodes do you have in your cluster. What is the sizing of these nodes? How, uh, so a lot of those things are kind of taken by someone else, which who who, who should do a, a good job on this, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but you just manage your applications, and uh, I, I don't want to call it serverless because I think there's a little bit more to it. But it 
in my opinion, it, it will go into this direction that we can really focus and we should focus on our applications and how to deliver value instead of having large teams that that deal with the, the platforms underneath. Uh, and if, if we can if we can make small progress into this direction, I think it would be great. Uh, maybe even for um, for such things as uh, data on Kubernetes, where maybe you don't want to to know all the details about different storage options or whatever. You just want to to know that it will be dealt with and taken care of. I think I think that's something that's been echoed by other speakers in the sense that. Uh, you know, we talked about day zero, day one, day two, when do we get to day three, day four? Um, but beyond that as well too is uh, how can we make Kubernetes a little bit more boring, more manageable, not so overwhelming, not, and so I think like you said is finding ways to have more focus and and not to, you know, uh, lose the forest for the trees and, and just be very, very clear about, about what someone's role is and not that you have to know absolutely everything but have more uh, well-defined environments. Um, that being said, can I get you to stop sharing your screen so I can share mine? Sure. Here we go. We get to our you you know you you did let's see. So you did meet Angel in the beginning, who is like I said, located close to Bilbao. He's in a city called Vitoria Gasteiz. Can you see my screen? Yes, I can. Okay, so Angel's been drawing the whole time. And I also got to give a shout out to Angel because English is his third language. <laughs> he always does a phenomenal job. Um, you explain things extremely well. So uh, I was chatting with him while while you were talking, and uh, in terms of getting a layout of all the different topics that were covered. I think, he, I think he did a pretty good job. One question that I have that Ankhal actually included is that you have a very interesting background. You do have a little bit of a swag shout out to Captain behind you, but that poster, what's on that poster with the guitar? What's that about? Uh, it's, uh, I, I got this on my first or second day when, when I was in, um, in San Francisco. Uh, it's a Kurt Weill concert. Uh, and uh, they, it was kind of the, 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 the giveaway at the end of the concert. It was a, it was in, October 2019, uh, and Kurt Weil, he, he, he yeah, he's, he's a guitar, guitarist and vocalist, and uh, was a great concert, and I, I just have it here, otherwise it would just be a, a white wall, so I decided to put this up. Very, very good. No, it's just a nice touch, and it was interesting that Anka was able to incorporate it as well. Um, anyway, Jürgen, thank you so much for your time today. I have absolutely no doubt that I will be sending you a message soon to ask you to come back. I think having a panel with other uh, technology strategists can be really interesting to, to sort of get in deeper about some of these topics that we were talking about towards the end, um, whether it's serverless, whether it's edge, all the different things that are going on. Um, chaos engineering, as much as we talk about it, still is a new thing, still need to see more adoption. I think it was a really good point. One of my takeaways is that it's never too early to make chaos engineering part of the equation. Don't wait until production. And once again, on a cultural level, get as many folks involved in the, in the process as possible um, so that it's not something that just siloed or, or isolated in one particular team. Um, that being said, I already shared the link to, to Captain for folks that want to get involved. As I said, someone reached out to me today in the CNCF Slack asking about how they can get involved in, in a project and start contributing directly. So I hope you'll be hearing from them soon. Um, thank you very much and hope to see you at some point riding bikes in Austria, Switzerland, France, Spain, anywhere we can meet. Um, anyway, Jürgen, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, let me just take a screenshot of this great, um, great thing. Okay. Oh, yeah. We'll send, we'll send you the file. But yeah, go ahead and take a screenshot. Go for it. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, it was really great to be here. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll see you soon in our next meetup. Bye-bye. Cheers.